0: If you were with us here at the park in 2021, you may recall that our grounding theme was to bloom. And as we entered that period of study, I made a post on Twitter that seemed to resonate. uh, And it generated a number of responses that very much moved me. Now, remember this context. It was this is 2021, which was a spiritual winter for just about everybody. We'd just been through an insurrection and everything that led up to it. We were still in and out of, well, 2021, all that. Remember it if you can. And my post said, in this next period, our bodies will reveal to us just how hard they've been working to protect us from the trauma of the past few years. Let it do its work, listen to it, and bloom and in response to that someone shared this we have so much blooming to catch up on and that reflection that we have so much blooming to catch up on may have been true and certainly was true for everybody in 2021 but it may even still be true for us now and that's where i would like to start right now how we catch up on our blooming So as I mentioned earlier, today is the penultimate piece of our five-part series on our spiritual seasons in life. And appropriately, I would imagine, as we head into June and come close to the summer solstice, we do consider summer. And this entire series was inspired by Parker Palmer's writings on this. And to remind ourselves of how Parker Palmer defines a spiritual summer, I quote him, summer is the season when all of the promises of the other seasons come due. In summer, it's hard to remember that we had ever doubted the natural processes, had ever seeded death the last word, had ever lost faith in the powers of new life. And in my assessment of my spiritual seasons, I believe that I've probably spent the most time in summer living the promise and blooming and taking it all for granted. And that's what happens in summer. We are so blessed in our spiritual summers that we can tend to go on autopilot. We bask right there in the sun until we burn because we're not paying attention. But for this summer, no matter what spiritual season we're in, we've been invited into a soft, summer. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, watch last week's sermon. It'll get you into it, but I'll give you a little bit of a review. There's, There's a lesson for summer. It's wonderful to bask, but we also need to pay attention. And in our faith lives, that means setting some intentions and then living by them. So just to review, in the soft living of the soft summer, we intend we shed the rigidity of our harder living. We are open and joyful and tender and gentle and fluid. We're guided by the Holy Spirit. And if you want, you can take a picture of that slide so you can remember. But my focus for today, though, is the how of that soft living. How can we move with fluidity. I'm going to pause for just a second. All right. You think we're good? Yeah. Can you hear me? You can hear? Mm, sort of. It's down low, right? Okay, that's better. Okay. The Holy Spirit is often referred to as breath or ruah, the breath of God. And in fact, I think that's the most helpful metaphor that there is out there for the Holy Spirit. But when we try to adapt Holy Spirit-like behavior, it might be hard for us to figure out how to be the breath of God. So instead, what I want to say is that when we think about that fluidity that we want in a soft summer, I think there's an even more helpful metaphor. And here, I'm gonna borrow from the Taoists who describe the way to spiritual virtue and here I'm not co-opting a concept but I just want to learn from another way of thinking so that we can come closer to a Holy Spirit-like experience because Jesus is the way the truth and the light so there's actually a thread there but anyway so to the Taoist the way is to move like water and what does water do? It fills the space that's required. It moves as it's stirred. But don't sleep on water because it's powerful too. In fact, it can shape things. It can even shape mountains, right? Think of water carving stone. And to translate this then into our setting, in a Christian setting, when we follow the way, we adapt as God intends for us to adapt. We allow God to do with us what's needed. We resist whatever tries to obstruct us from God, and we consent to participating in God's acts of power in our lives and in this world. And when we adapt like that, like water, to the way, our wills consent to God's will. Our way is aligned with God's way. And this leads, I believe, to incredible joy and satisfaction because alignment feels really, really good. Ask a chiropractor. And in the Tao Te Ching, Lao Tzu spells this out in a way that I found very, very helpful. The highest virtue is to act without a sense of self. The highest kindness is to give without condition. The highest justice is to see without a preference. And when the flow is lost, one must learn the rules of virtue. When virtue's lost, rules of kindness. When kindness is lost, the rules of justice. And when justice is lost, the rules of conduct. What a helpful way to adapt to what we mean by living through the different ways that we have to adapt to what the world puts us in and how we respond to it. And hopefully you can see it on your screens. And if you can, I would love to give you, is it up for you? Yeah, I'd love to give you a moment just to take that in. Because sometimes it's helpful to spell things out on my end and then to let them linger with you on yours. But I find this teaching to show us a way to conceive of the process of alignment. We place ourselves in God's hands. We model kindness. We commit ourselves to justice. When we stumble, we fall back on God's commandments. And then it comes full circle. And when we take this in conversation with the beautiful sermon that the Psalm from Psalm 9 gives us, something really incredible is revealed. Someone has said that the world's face point to the same light just differently. And I think this is an example of where that's true because alignment, translating from even other traditions, places ourselves in God's hands. What if for every decision we made, whether huge or tiny, we considered God a co-decision maker. It could just start with how we get out of bed in the morning. What if you start the day, what if you start the day off saying, I'm living this day for you, God. That in a Jesus following context, that's how we place ourselves in God's hands. And so before we get out of the bed, if we make the choice, I'm living this day for you, God, that already begins the process of alignment. And then we go ahead and try to live that out. But then it's also apparent in the small little decisions, like what are you gonna wear today? Another way of asking that, which I know C. Anthony would agree with me on, is what in my aesthetic gives glory to God? We think about this every day, right? What in my aesthetic is going to give glory to God? And that question can get deep real quick because we give glory to God when we think, give thanks for what God has done and how our aesthetic and how we present ourselves to the world can what can show that we believe ourselves to be beautifully crafted by God, beautiful in God's sight. What if we show that we believe that? That God did not make a mistake with us. That is alignment. And it works for the bigger decisions, too. How will I handle this moment of conflict shifts to, how can I reflect God's justice and mercy in this moment of conflict? That's a different way of handling it, and it really does help. I promise you, it's a shift. It's a flow, but it works. Or the question, what do I do next? That flows into, if I do it this way, will I have time and space to keep God in the conversation? You see that evolution? That's alignment and it works. Spiritual alignment is the very definition of the soft living that we intend for our soft summers. And when we live softly, guess what happens? bloom. So as I close, I just want you to hear this. You in your soft summer bloom is you in gratitude. And I want to return to the words of the Psalm. I give thanks to the God who saves with my whole heart. I give thanks to the God who saves with my whole heart. Can you say that with me? I give thanks to the God who saves with my whole heart. Again, I give thanks to the God who saves with my whole heart. That is your summer intention. And if you forget anything I've said today, but could remember one thing, that's it. I give thanks to the God who saves with my whole heart. Now I've tried to outline a way of life that puts some flesh and intention to how all of this works, but it all boils down to this. This is your story. God saves. God saves me. Again and again. So I give thanks with my whole heart, my whole body, my whole mind, my whole spirit. Listen to the psalm. So I will give thanks to the God who saves with my whole heart. I will recount Your marvels, I will be glad and exult in you. I will sing praise to your name most high. And when Charles Anthony Bryant asks you to sing, I'm actually gonna do it. When my enemies turn back, they stumble and perish before your presence. For you judge my cause. You sit on the throne, judging rightly. You rebuke the nations. You destroy the wicked. The name you blot out forever. The enemy is finished the ruins everlasting the cities you have rooted out their memory has perished but the righteous one sits enthroned forever she has established her throne for judges judgment she judges the world with righteousness and she judges the peoples with equity the most high is a stronghold for the oppressed you hear that a stronghold in times of trouble They trust in you, we trust in you, who know your name. For you, faithful one, do not forsake those who seek you. Beloved, we love a God who will never leave nor forsake you. So give thanks to that God with your whole heart and bloom. Amen.